Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for July 21. My name is John Mason. It's great you could join us. Most people sense that beyond the visible and material world, another world exists. The attraction of Star Wars and the level of interest in Harry Potter, especially amongst the young, are indicators that the notion of the supernatural abounds. Despite what cultural voices and social media insist, there are a significant number of research scientists and mathematicians who believe in the existence of a supreme being, a creator God. Two examples are Dr. John Lennox, Professor of Mathematics, Emeritus, University of Oxford, and Dr. Fritz Schaefer, Graham Perdue, Professor of Chemistry and Director of the Centre for Computational Quantum Chemistry at the University of Georgia. Both were speakers at this year's Anglican Connection online conference. The question arises, what is God like? Can we penetrate the veil and unlock the secrets that lie beyond? Over the centuries, people in the West have reckoned they could find God by using their minds. In the East, mysticism is said to be the key. We can find the energy or force behind the universe through religious experience, such as meditation and yoga. In the opening lines of chapter 3 in the letter to the Colossians, we find another option. We can come to know God not through reasoning nor by mystical experience, but through revelation. God himself has chosen to open a window on the mystery of his great cosmic plan. Consider the opening lines of chapter 3. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. The letter was written in a culture where mystery referred to the pagan secret religious teachings into which a spiritual elite was admitted. Christianity never espouses secret teachings known only to a spiritual elite. Ephesians uses mystery in much the same way as we do in English today. Something previously hidden and unknown, but now revealed and open to everyone. What then is the mystery that Ephesians tells us had been hidden for so long? Verse 4 indicates that it was bound up with the person and work of Jesus Christ. Something more fully explained in verse 6. The Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, sharers in the promise, in Christ Jesus, through the gospel. The mystery has to do with the complete union in Christ of both the Jewish and non-Jewish believers. This was radical, and it has far-reaching implications today when critical race theory is being promulgated and promoted. Almost two millennia ago, St. Paul the Apostle was saying that there is now available a unique union between us and Jesus Christ between believing men and women across the nations. We sometimes forget that in the New Testament times, the divide between the Jewish and the non-Jewish peoples was huge. If a Jewish man or woman married a Gentile, the Jewish family would often declare such a family member dead. Yes, the Jewish people knew that through them, God would bless the nations. This was the promise to Abraham, as we read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. 
And Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6 tells us that Israel would be the light to the nations. Furthermore, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Jesus commissioned his followers to make disciples of all nations. There's no hint in the Old Testament or in Jesus' teaching that God's radical plan involved moving beyond God's unique relationship with just one nation group. Yet here, Paul the Apostle explains that God's plan involved the development of an international community under the rule of Jesus Christ. This new society, the Church, would include Jewish and non-Jewish believers on equal terms. This was the mystery that had been hidden that was now open for everyone to see. Understanding that all men and women are created equal under God, and knowing that God is building a new community across the nations, leaders in England, such as William Wilberforce, at the end of the 19th century, worked at and achieved the abolition of the slave trade. In similar fashion, both black and white Christians in South Africa prayed for and played a part in ending apartheid. Indeed, some commentators consider that the transition was achieved relatively peacefully because of the involvement of God's people. Which leads us to a conjunction of revelation and commission. In verse 7 we have Paul's testimony. Of this gospel I have become a servant, according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. So there's a development of thought here. In verse 6 Paul speaks of the mystery. Now in verse 7 he speaks of the mystery of this gospel, God's good news. Furthermore, Paul understood that it was by God's gift of grace he was to proclaim the gospel through the work of God's power. He was to preach to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ. The word preach translates the word from which we get evangel, the announcement of good news. God's good news is the announcement of the boundless riches of Christ. And while our English translators find it challenging to express the meaning of the boundless riches of Christ, they are best understood as the unsearchable, inexhaustible and incalculable riches of Christ. We shall never come to the end of the wealth of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an important theme throughout these verses as Paul brings together the ideas of revelation and commission. God's truth is to be passed on through the generations. John Stott once commented, If scientists cannot keep their discoveries to themselves, how much less should we keep to ourselves what God has made known to us? We need to recover the assurance of God's truth and the commitment to share Christ's riches. Just think, if we are sure that the gospel is God's truth and the riches of Christ are for all men and women, nobody would be able to keep us quiet. So let me ask, what was the difference between the first Christians and us today? They believed, their lives were changed. They lived and talked their faith. My question is, do we? So let me pray. Almighty God, 
We thank you for the gift of your holy word. May it be a lantern to our feet, a light to our paths, and strength to our lives. Take us and use us to love and to serve all people in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. A prayer for this week. Almighty God, the protector of all who put their trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply your mercy upon us, so that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal, that we finally lose not the things eternal. Grant this, Heavenly Father, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Catherine Jacob, a minister for women's ministry at the Cathedral Church of the Advent, Birmingham, Alabama. The concluding music is from the cathedral. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening music is from St. Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney. And the hymn, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, is sung by the chamber choir of St. Andrew's Cathedral under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.